0: welcome to the world of women create podcast series where we bring you the magical and innovative worlds of artisans and makers from the pages of our magazines where women create and what women create along with special guests who are entrepreneurs and experts in their fields we love to share great conversation with extraordinary women women you may be very familiar with and others you may not know my name is jennifer blott and i am the editor-in-chief of women create it is my pleasure to welcome you, our listeners, and all of our guests as we explore the ups and downs, challenges and triumphs, exhilaration, and immense joy of living a creative life. A creative life is a life that's rarely stagnant and always leading us down surprising paths. Thank you for being part of our creative world, the world of women create. Hello and welcome to the World of Women Create podcast. I'm Jennifer Blott and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Women Create. I'm joined today by a very special guest, Jennifer Boone of Deep Nourishment Women's Circles. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You know, before we get into our conversation, I want to introduce you to our audience. So I'm going to go ahead and read your bio and correct me if anything has been added. Let's begin. Jennifer Boone is the creator of Deep Nourishment Women's Circles for Women of All Ages and Empowered Wellbeing Groups for Young Women. Jennifer has been facilitating groups of women and artists for more than 20 years. She has hosted hundreds of women's groups in person and virtually, specializing in intimate circles of three to five women. Jennifer has an extensive background in the expressive, contemplative, and healing arts. She is a Rosen Method practitioner, a meditation and yoga teacher, and a certified massage therapist. She has taught music and dance, and she has also worked extensively as a newspaper reporter and editor. Jennifer is an avid collector of and inventor of activities, games, and practices that enhance growth, well being, creativity, expression, and play in work and life. Jennifer was born and raised in Missouri. She spent several decades in the San Francisco Bay Area. During the pandemic, Jennifer moved to North Georgia where she loves spending time in nature. Her home away from home is a nearby national park with many miles of hiking trails. In the perfect world, Jennifer, you and I would be having this conversation and taking in the fresh air on one of those hiking trails. (laughs) But I'm just happy to have the opportunity to chat with you from our respective offices. Again, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's really, really a delight to be here. And I can't wait to just jump in and have a nice juicy conversation.
0: Well, you know, I remember the first time I saw the words Women's Circle. And while I wasn't positive what it meant, those words really sang to me and they implored me to learn more. So could you just give us an introduction in your words, what is a Women's Circle? Mm. Well, I think the first
1: thing to say is that Essentially, a women's circle is a group of women who make an agreement to come together and meet. That might be just for a one, one-off meeting, it might be for a weekend, or it might be for a weekly meeting over a set period of time, or a monthly meeting over a set period of time. But it's a, a process of creating some structure for uh, an intentional exploration and growth process together. and. Um, the other main, uh, thing I think that, that makes why I call these circles and that makes them circles is that they're non-hierarchical. There's no, there's a facilitator who is creating the structure, but everyone's voice is equal and there's, uh, there's no leader.
0: And you are the facilitator of these.
1: Correct. I facilitate circles myself and I also help other people learn
0: to facilitate their own. So when we're talking about these, are we talking about in-person circles or online virtual gatherings?
1: It could be either one. Um, I actually only worked in person until the pandemic. um, And I would have been the first person to be skeptical about whether a a virtual circle could have the same sort of um, feelings of connection and creativity and inspiration as in person. But I'm I'm an absolute believer now, so I think that um, these types of groups work. There are some pros and cons to each uh, flavor: in person versus virtual. But both of them work wonderfully.
0: And I'm guessing the beauty of doing the the virtual gatherings is that you're able to unite women from all different locations, all different time zones. As long as you, you know, you agree upon a certain time, conceivably you could have someone in the United States and someone in the UK. Correct.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and that is totally the beauty. It's very um, much of a sort of great equalizer. Everyone's in their little box but they're bringing in the richness of their time zone and their location and you know everything that's going on in their actual life. Um, and yes, I do, I regularly have circles, I think maybe three going on now with people in Europe. I've had people in Southern hemisphere and it's very, very rich to be meeting with somebody who might be, while it's winter for me, it might be summer for her.
0: It's amazing. And it's also an opportunity for women who wouldn't otherwise ever have a chance to meet or be in the same physical room together, but they are in the same virtual room together, correct? Yeah, exactly. And um, the
1: other piece of that that's wonderful is that it's easy. It's easy for people to show up and participate because they don't, for example, when I was facilitating groups in person in the San Francisco Bay Area, people would have to potentially commute for an hour through traffic over bridges to come for a, maybe a ninety-minute gathering, and which almost takes it takes some of the fun out of it when it's so stressful and difficult um, to get there. So, another be- part of of virtual circles that's really beautiful is it's just logistically easier for people to make it a part of their lives.
0: If people don't have to worry about the driving and the parking and the logistics, I'm curious before they join a circle, is there any sort of preparation? Do they need to prepare their space where they join you from? Do they get a cup of tea, a blanket? How do they get ready to join your circle?
1: Well, there's no rules. I mean, I'm a big believer in comfort and I'm always advocate for people to be comfortable. So um, a place that is comfortable for them is important. For the sake of the group, it's helpful if people can have be in a private place. It's fine if there's the occasional coming and going of a partner or a pet, but um, it is, for example, like a crowded cafe is not, not such a great place for this type of a group. But I have people join from their yard, from their home, from their office, sometimes from their parked car, um, you know, yeah. And generally, um, Occasionally, uh, there will be uh, depending on what I have planned for the that particular day, I might make a request that people bring, you know, please be sure to have something to write or draw with. Please be sure to bring, you know, a few things, you know, i may I may make a request for people to bring things with them. But generally, there's um,
0: not any, really any particular
1: preparations.
0: so I want to talk a little bit about your own personal journey. You and I met many years ago when we worked in the same newsroom in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and at the time, I know you were a copy editor, and we went our separate ways, and then, thanks to the beauty of the internet, I think we reconnected, maybe LinkedIn or through some some service like that. You and I came back into each other's lives, and I saw that you were doing work Women's Circles, and that sounded amazing and very different than maybe what you would have been doing in the newsroom. So I'm curious to hear how this journey came about for you. Mm. Well, I had um, kind of an interesting journey for a
1: good a number of years where I sort of had parallel lives. I was working in journalism and I was also doing holistic health work and um, facilitating groups and I was really, the the latter was sort of an outgrowth of things that I did for myself. They were, they were, you know, meditation and yoga and women's groups and the types of therapy that I do. Those are things that I was initially a, a client of for my own, you know, working through challenges in my 20s. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I was dealing with, um, an eating disorder. I was dealing with some fairly stressful situations in my life. And um, so these were all resources that I used to sort of um, help me put the pieces back together for myself personally. And I became such a believer in them that I started uh, you know, getting trained and offering them to other people. And so, at some point, I, I both—I was doing both of those simultaneously for quite a while, and then, um, about, gosh, it's been fourteen or fifteen years ago now that I made the made the plunge to go full time into the women's work.
0: And so, when you were starting out, how did you get the word out? How did you let people know you were offering these circles?
1: Um, well, in the very in the real early days, um, I would put up um, flyers at on bulletin boards and um, uh, bookstores and grocery stores. <laughs> um, a, word of mouth. I would say that word of mouth has probably always been um, the main way that I've gotten uh, the word out. And so, more recently, as I've worked with more people over the years. Referrals is also um, one of the big ways that I get the word out.
0: During during the pandemic, I, um, you know, I had wanted to take. Well, I wanted to join one of your circles, and I remember timing wasn't always sort of on my side, and it took a few tries, but I I did join one of your circles. It was a it was a three day long weekend circle, and one thing that really occurred to me was that we were just getting started when we ended like these these 3 days could have been 3 months that there was so much so much more to talk about and you created a very safe environment an environment or a sort of a forum that felt very very comfortable as if we were all in the same room together and I'm wondering how do you sort of set up that that feeling of safeness and um, that feeling that, you know, we are all here and this is a safe environment for you to be able to express yourself without judgment um, or concern?
1: Well, thank you for that reflection, Jen. That's, I'm, I'm touched and very happy that that was your experience of the group. Um, and Absolutely, safety is core in these groups. It's something I personally have um, been, I've been sexually assaulted in a park, I've been stalked in the workplace and had to get um, restraining orders. So I know what it's like to feel unsafe. And I know what it's like as a woman to be afraid all the time. And I very much value consent and safety. So, generally, when a circle is starting, um, I suggest that we come to some agreements around safety and confidentiality. And, you know, having worked as a holistic therapist, that's a sort of a very strict um, version of confidentiality. And I generally try to request that people hold one another's personal information with care and respect. And most people know what that means. But I'm also a little bit more explicit. And so I'll say, look, let's say that someone shares something that she's been going through. And you have a friend somewhere else, you know, is going through something similar. And you think to yourself, gosh, I would really like to share this resource or this story or this experience that I heard in the circle with my other friend who's going through the same thing. If that sort of thing happens, please ask the person whose story it is, whether she is comfortable and whether she gives her permission for you to share her personal story.
0: Great. So what are sort of some of the themes that come up? Some of the women who are joining circles, they're there hoping to connect with other people, to talk through situations in their lives that they're struggling with? Like, give me a sense without going into great detail on specifics, but give me a sense of what they bring to the circle that they they need help sharing with others. Well,
1: I think fundamentally what a lot of people are um, looking for in the circle is quality time, with a consistent small group of people. If you think about it, we don't necessarily get that. Like we may have really close relationships, friendships, but we don't necessarily get consistent time with them. And so actually blocking out and designating, this is really quality time to drop in with a consistent group of people. That I think is one of the things that people seek and find most valuable about the groups. Also, some people really want a sort of an accountability group or a support group, so they know they have a place to go and um, uh, share about their goals, their challenges, that sort of thing over time. Um, Most people are also very interested in growth and development, whether it's their creative growth, their professional growth, their personal growth, all of the above, their well-being, And so um, the women's circles are a really fun kind of um, way to stay on the growing edge of your own growth, your own growth process, your own unfolding Um, and also more affordable than some of those other options. You know, like you could be doing, there's a lot of other kind of personal growth options. A person could do workshops and classes and therapy and coaching and all of those good things. Um, And this can be like a compliment or a, um, even an alternative to some of those things, and I think people appreciate that about it. Like, oh, okay, this is something um, that would help fill some of those gaps. Um, that is maybe just has a flavor that really appeals to me, and also I think the potential for this to be a long term. I mean, the way that I structure circles is that there, you know, there's an initial agreement about how long we're meeting, and then when that time ends, if people actually want to continue meeting, we can make a new agreement to meet for another chunk of time. So people um, can wind up having really long-term relationships with the, the members of their circle, which I think is also that something that people are valuing. And that gets a little bit to what you shared, Jen, about um, gosh, we were just getting started. There were so many more things we could say and so, much, so many other
0: avenues we could explore. And so that was a weekend retreat. Tell me, what are some of the longer retreats? Are, there, are they months long? Are they years long? Give me a sense of how long these can be taking place.
1: Well, in the virtual circles, I have um, typically offered weekly circles and have had some I have one circle now that's coming up on three years of um, meeting, biting off little chunks at a time. So we maybe bite off eight weeks or 12 weeks at a time. I'm also uh, over the last year, I've also started offering some monthly circles because um, for some people, especially um, as the world has opened back up more with COVID people are just uh, busier. So for example, this year I'm offering um, a monthly circle that lasts for 2023.
0: So you're saying one day per month through the year? Correct. Okay, interesting. And do you find there's a, is this usually a weekend day? Is it an evening? Is there a time of day where you feel that people come together better than others?
1: Well, because of these um, groups being open to people all over the world, I do tend to uh, schedule them, I'm in the East Coast time zone in the US, so I do tend to schedule them in the middle of the day for me, um, because that means it's the morning for people on the West Coast in the US and it's the evening for people in Europe and Africa. And it does get a little more complicated when we're dealing with people and even further out in terms of the uh, uh, time zones. but. Um, I think the the reality is that sometimes they're better for some people and sometimes they're better for other people. Like some people really can only uh, do a circle on the weekends. Some people really can only do a a circle on the weekdays.
0: If you were able to give me the benefits of a women's circle in just a few words, what would be those words? You know, what would this bring to my life? What would you say? Growth.
1: Well-being. Sport, creativity, and play.
0: play. I like that. And now what about people who are interested in facilitating their own circles? how How do they get started? Do you need a certification? What do you need to start one of these? Um, you the the biggest thing you need,
1: as far as I'm concerned, is the desire to do it. Like that, oh, that actually sounds like something I would really enjoy. I would really enjoy having a circle like that in my life. And um, I can see myself uh, organizing one. So fundamentally, I think just uh, liking the idea of it is really important. And then there, you do have to have a certain kind of combination of Willingness to attend to structure because you do. If you're the facilitator, you are um, responsible for the structure. So if you're somebody who just hates all kinds of uh, organization and structure, probably you would be better to not be the facilitator but to be a participant. And and also creativity. It's a it's a really for me. It's a I love the creative expression of being a women's circle facilitator. It can be a wonderful Creative outlet. As far as certifications, no, you don't need um, certification. I have training in um, facilitating groups and um, holding space for individuals, doing uh, holistic therapy for individuals. But you really you don't need certification. And what you
0: need to know, you can learn. So for some of these ongoing groups, say there's a month between circles, circle meeting times. Do you have? homework or anything to send them away with to reflect on to report back the following circle is there anything they do in that month between meetings
1: it depends on the circle so some some circles and this is would be a a useful thing for people who are considering starting their own circle to know some circles really want to lean in to the kind of accountability aspect of a circle some people really like homework. Other people really don't like homework. They wanna show up and just have the experience that they're having um, on, when you know, from the time the circle starts to the time the circle ends. So if you're creating your own circle, it's um, a good idea to think through, like are we, in addition to the kind of what I would consider the baseline ingredients, like, quality time and growth and well-being and creativity are there other um, goals or flavors that we want to layer onto this circle and it can be it can actually be um, very accountability oriented if that's the uh, the wish of the participants like we want to um, check out every at the end of a circle we want to check out with um, you know, a few things that we're planning to do over the next month. And then we wanna check in at the beginning of the next circle with how that went. Or we're gonna take turns creating a sort of creative Mm. prompt to do in between circles. So if it's my turn this week, I might say, well, over the next month, I'm going to assign us the homework of making a collage related to your mother and bring it back to show us next week and then uh, next month. So there's lots and lots of very flexible and wonderful um, format that way, because you can really, once you um, see what kind of um, common interests or goals you have with the members of your circle, you can really um, build structure around that to support it and to have it feel um, fun and impactful for everybody. My kind of gold standard for circles, I always want them to to be both enjoyable and impactful.
0: You know, in your bio, it mentions that you have worked with many artists. Tell me how circles are sort of a really wonderful experience for people who are creatives or people who are artists.
1: One of the things that um, I have observed, both as somebody who's done a lot of creative work myself over the years and working with other people, is that we all tend to have a sort of um, a a bandwidth or sort of our zone where we tend to have more mastery. We've we've really explored how our creativity works. And that might be, you know, if you're working professionally as um, a particular, in a particular vein of creative expression, or if it's just been a long time practice, you will tend to be pretty well developed in that area of your creativity. But most of us, um, there's a lot of low hanging fruit if we really open up the definition of creativity. And we really, um, you know, somebody might be very comfortable Um, in visual media, but not in writing, or they, you know, they might be um, comfortable in two dimensions, but not in three, or they might feel very creative when they're on the dance floor and really bored and checked out when they're in the kitchen, just on and on and on like that. So from the perspective of our nervous systems, if we are um, combining A safe space that is um, supportive and kind of gives us a ground for growth, with playful and um, playful challenges and novelty that kind of um, support us in building new um, neural pathways and expanding our our nervous systems. It it gives us the opportunity to really um, remodel and reintegrate our whole nervous systems in a, in a really positive way, a really growth oriented way. So um, does that answer your question, Jen? I
0: feel like I I might've gone off on a tangent. (laughs) I think so. Do some of your circles have a a true creative focus? Do you have activities that are creativity based for people?
1: Yeah. Um, Yes. And I would say I have, all of my circles have creativity as at least one major focus, and so um, I incorporate creative activities into basically every meeting of every circle. Um, they, um, yeah, they just. Well, let me give you an example. So, um, we'll just do this. is a little just a little creative game that I just played a week a few weeks ago with a group. So. We have Jen and Sammy. Hi, Sammy, the producer is on this call too. If both of you just look around your space, something within reach and grab two objects. Don't show them to us, but just two objects that are within reach for you. And then put one in your right hand and one in your left hand. Okay, everybody got your objects hidden from us? Don't want to see them yet. One in your right hand. Okay, so I'm. when it's my turn, I'll go first. I'm going to choose one object from each of you and have you show them to me. So I'm going to choose, Jen, I'm going to choose the object in your right hand. And Sammy, I'll have the object in your right hand too. And now you can show them to me. All right. It looks like I have, from Sammy, that looks like a pen. And from Jen, that is, uh, is it, what is it?
0: Uh, It is a rose water balancing mist. It's just Ah. a, it's a aromatherapy. It's a spray that smells heavenly like roses Ah. and it's great when the weather is warm, just sort of to your yourself while you're working.
1: But it's the smell, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to, my creative challenge now is I'm going to combine those two. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna invent something by combining those two objects. So, and I have to say, this is kind of an easy one because um, I'm going to invent a pen that um, with every stroke of the pen, it wafts up, the beautiful fragrance of rose. Ooh. Love it. All right. I love is, it. Yeah. Does one of you want to take a turn now and choose a couple of objects and make an invention?
0: Well, I would like to piggyback on that. I'm thinking of a whole array of pens in different colors, and you've got rose for one, maybe lavender for another, um, maybe a nice chamomile smell for the third. Um, That whole idea sounds pretty interesting to me. And I'm guessing if it's a pen, it would need to be refillable for both the ink and the fragrance, correct? (laughs) I have to be a little practical in my creativity here. Okay. That's not very far reaching, but that's what I've got for now. How about you, You Sam?
1: I was going to say, if you want to choose new objects too, you can choose, you know, their mystery objects and see what you might
2: Okay, Jen, you hold up your other object and I'll hold up my other object. (laughs) Mine's funny. (laughs) Salt and pepper shaker. And a hair elastic. Okay, here's an invention for chefs or waiters or waitresses. It is an elastic of similar sort attached to a salt and pepper shaker that can be tied onto their apron or if the chef is in the kitchen it can be tied onto their apron and they will always have their salt and pepper for any spice needs. <laughs> I like uh, it. I love it. That's super practical too. I like that game. Yeah. So that that's
1: just an example. I mean, basically every week I there I'll incorporate creative games into circles.
2: And that can translate so much into artwork as well. And I mean, you take two different mediums or you take two different patterns or you take two different materials and think, okay, how can I be creative and mix these? I love that. I think, yeah, I think our audience will love that game and love to incorporate it into their work or just their life in general. I mean, getting the creative juices flowing is all the time is awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you. There's so many, um, you know, that's part of what in my bio, when I said that I like to collect and invent these types of games and practices I do I love to and it's a sort of thing where it's non-linear creativity is a non-linear process it's a discovery process and so just opening up people's um, habitual ways of doing things has unexpected and wonderful creative results and so we can like I might do this was also something I just did a week or two ago with a group was to check in By showing us what did your last week look like in your body. And so someone who had a really stressful week might show like their hands covering their head and their face scrunched up into a little grimace and their shoulders up around their ears. And then the second piece of that was what would you like your next week to look like in your body? And that same person might show you know, herself kind of strolling forward confidently with her hands out in front of her and her head held high and a smile on her face, that sort of thing. So it's another way of just um, mixing up how do we express ourselves? How do we relate to ourselves? How do we even think of ourselves as creative beings?
0: and it's fun a lot of a lot of us don't have an opportunity to to play much in our lives and it sounds like it sounds like some of the inventions that we might come up with would be kind of preposterous but how much fun it is to dream them up right
1: yes exactly it, and and that's part of the point it's just it's joyful it's delightful even my experience is that even the most serious people really enjoy having little interludes of fun and play
2: and it's so easy to get caught up in, I mean, life's stresses and so easy to lose yourself. I, especially, I think, in the creative world when all these new trends are coming out and all these mediums are becoming more popular. It's, it's easy to, like, lose sight of who you are and what you want to do. And I feel like just those little exercises, like, bring you back to your head and, like, bring you back to be like, oh, yeah, I, I am creative. Like, I just came up with that invention. It all links back. I love this. This is great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad. And I, I completely agree with what you just said, that it's very easy for people. We live in a world where people are basically encouraged and frankly, where a lot of things are sold to people on the basis that if you do A, B, and C, you will get D result. And that really has the effect of, um, disconnecting people from their own the wellspring of their own creativity which is completely unique Um, so that's part of why i love doing this work is we are all exploring our own creative journey and our own growth path alongside one another we're complementing um you know it's, it's synergistic it's like building a a tapestry or a mosaic you know the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, but nobody has the right answer. Nobody even has the right procedure for getting there. We're just exploring together and showing up for one another for the exploration.
0: So one one question I have for you, Jen, is when I joined one of your circles, you, you put something to the group about going into when you were a little girl. Will you remind me what you ask sometimes about going back into who you were as a little girl What I believe
1: in the circle that you were participating in, the inquiry question, and this is another sort of tip for people who are creating their own circles, um, open-ended inquiry questions are very, very fruitful, nourishing, generative ways to create Mm -hmm. structure. So you can ask a question, in that case, the question was, what did you love Mm -hmm. when you were a little girl? and to have each person share what she loved as a little girl. But even like a a more um, focused question, like what was it like for you learning how to swim? Those types of questions, you would be amazed at how rich the stories that come up when when a group of people all share on that topic. And unlike just sitting around and talking with a bunch of friends, which is a beautiful thing to do, but then sort of the nature of a conversation with a bunch of friends is it just sort of goes wherever it goes. Like one person might start off with a story about learning to swim. And before you know it, we're talking about the 30 foot waves on the Pacific ocean this week, or you know, it, it, the conversation has a life of its own. With the circles, when you use an open-ended prompt like that and everybody shares about that prompt, you get this very beautiful layered portrait of everybody's experience of say learning how to swim or what they loved as a little girl. Um, And it's also, it creates a sort of coherence in the group because the conversation isn't just going every which way. There's, we're returning to this coherent focus and coherence is a, a way that our nervous systems organize themselves. So that has the effect for all of us of helping us move from whatever place we're at in our growth process now into the next sort of higher, quote unquote, level of coherence and order.
0: My guess is when you put out those inquiry questions, you're tapping into, in some cases, memories that have not been tapped into for a very, very long time. Things probably that people have not thought of for many years, correct? Absolutely. And they're very rich.
1: It's a very rich way of sort of activating ourselves as whole people. And it's also, you know, a lot of us spend a lot of our time now in a in on computers, and we may not get a lot of time in nature, we may not get a lot of playtime. And so it's a way of evoking the parts of ourselves that remember um, that wholeness.
0: And remember what it was like to be a little girl, you know,
1: yeah. And I'll. I want to. If it's all right for me to share this, Jen. Yeah. I remember that what you what you shared about that was that you loved to roller skate.
0: That is
1: true. Yes, and you loved the white roller skates, not the colored ones that were coming in, but the old fashioned four wheeled white roller skates. And I had an experience a few days after that circle, where I went to my farmer's market, my local farmer's market, and it had just moved from a gravel parking lot area to a paved parking lot area. And the two people who were kind of in charge, the people who organized the farmer's market, were getting around this new paved farmer's market on roller skates. (laughs) And I thought, I looked at them, and I smiled, and I laughed, and I thought of you. I probably hadn't seen roller skates in, I don't know how many months or years, but there they were. And I just, it was a little sparkle of magic. Yeah.
0: And you know what? I have a pair of rollerblades in the basement that fit that I can put on at any point. Um, I just haven't done it. So maybe I need to get back to the little girl and and do that. Um, yeah. So in with these sorts of inquiry questions and the memories and the things that come up for people, I'm guessing you see laughter and you see tears. You maybe see people needing to take a moment to kind of tap into what they're feeling. Is this correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of really um, deep kind of poignant emotions can come up. Just um, the experience of sort of, uh, Opening up to out of our kind of ordinary everyday, um, you know, I have my plan for today, I have my habits for today. It can be a really um, expansive experience for people. And so sometimes, yeah, we'll just pause and maybe just put a hand on our bellies and our hearts, or um, give ourselves a little hand rub, or give ourselves even a little hug. It's happening for of course the person whose memories they are, but the other people in the circle are generally, you know, fairly attuned to what's going on with one another. And so we're all moved and touched when somebody has an experience like that come up.
0: So what one thing that we haven't touched on is the empowered well-being groups that you hold for young women. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about those?
1: Yes, I would. Absolutely love to, because I'm incredibly passionate about this, the young women's groups. They um, are similar in a lot of ways to the circles that I facilitate for women of all ages. They are for um, women in the age range of 18 to 25. And we do a lot of the same things. We share on um, questions and we do games and practices that are uh, creative and playful. Each week, there is a new theme or a uh, concept that's related to going through your life um, in a way that is cultivating empowerment and well-being. And that is something for myself that I struggled with a great deal when I was in that age range, 18 to 25. And I've seen a lot of other Young women in that age range who are really kind of sidelined. They're dealing with, they may be dealing with things that I dealt with too, eating disorders, anxiety, that sort of thing. They may be dealing with significant traumas, um, deaths in the family, um, accidents, injuries, illnesses. They may be dealing with um, self harming. They may be dealing with parental separations and divorces. There's a lot going on that can be incredibly destabilizing and can have um, the effect of really um, compromising their ability to function. So this group, each week we have a new tool or um, concept that helps, uh, helps you learn how to address whatever the concern is whether the whether the issue is um social anxiety or whether the issue is anxiety around driving or anxiety around going into a a store the these are concepts that the young women can use with with what they're dealing with now and they're concepts that they can use 10 years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now 40 I, i still use these concepts every day so um i Love facilitating these groups. It's very, very satisfying to see how much progress young women can make in their lives and their um, being able to live a a comfortable, happy, full, self-expressed life in a short amount of time. And it's also for me very satisfying to feel like, well, I didn't have these tools when I was those when I was their age. They sure probably would have helped me and saved me some misery if I had but I'm really happy to be able to share them with other people who can use them.
0: And now are those groups, do they tend to be three to five women at a time? Tell me tell me why that is like the sweet spot for a number for your circles, three to five.
1: It is a group, it's a size um, where there is enough time to have really um, substantial discussion um, in a, a maybe 75 minutes or 90 minutes. for everyone to really have a chance to be heard and seen in some depth. And it's also a size where everyone can stay in the same virtual room and hear one another. So I also work with larger groups. When you start to get six and above, it's advisable to use breakout rooms just so that there's still enough time and space for people to really take take up some space. So that's, it's just a slightly different dynamic with a, a larger group. And I think it works really well in some circumstances, a larger group actually is wonderful because it's a, it's a larger sort of resource pool.
0: So at any given time, you are probably facilitating in your schedule in your weekly schedule, multiple groups, some or multiple circles, I should say, some that have just begun, they're just getting to know each other, others that have been together for a long time. And how is that? That's, that's. That's entering very different dynamics and actually sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah, I love it. I, I, I love the work. I feel very, very um, passionate and um, grateful to be doing this work. I feel like it is contributing things that I value very deeply into the world. And, you know, I've I've learned over the years how to hold multiple Circles like that. So, as a as a suggestion for people who are just starting, if you are just starting to facilitate a circle, I would suggest starting with just one. Um, and I feel really um, just joyful and happy to be at a place where I'm able to participate and facilitate multiple circles at once.
0: And actually, when you when you talk about people wanting just starting facilitation or wanting to facilitate, what would be some of the next steps? Do you offer some sort of resources for people who want to, again, begin facilitating their own circles?
1: Yeah, Um, I do um, offer a service where basically I will work with a circle from its beginning and I will personally facilitate the first eight meetings of the circle And then I will serve as sort of a consultant, coach, troubleshooter person for the next eight meetings of the circle. So I'm with you for that whole um, process where you're kind of clarifying, okay, what, how do we want this circle to be? What's going to make this circle really exciting and enlivening and supportive for this group of people? Um, What are some of the structures that we might set up? And to actually have whether it's one individual who wants to take on the facilitation one individual from the group or if the group wants to share it might be that several people want to share the facilitation or even the entire circle wants to share the facilitation like a book club where one you know you rotate who hosts and who chooses the book each month so there's lots of different ways to go about it and that service that i'm offering i think of it as like training wheels i'm going to help you get your group together, and give it all of the um, kind of foundational steps that are going to make it um, strong and enjoyable and impactful.
0: So here we are, the very beginning of January, and I'm curious to hear from you, what are are your own personal goals for 2023? What are you looking forward to in this next year?
1: Boy, the main thing I would say I am looking forward to continuing to kind of explore out into my actual physical world. I moved during the pandemic and then for the first year or 18 months, you know, it was basically lockdown. And 2022 I did do more exploring. And I feel like that's just, there's just so much more to explore. So I, for me, that, feel, that feels like it's like soul food for me to just get out a little bit, even if I'm not, you know, I might not be uh, making an epic trip, but even if I'm just driving a different route to get to a familiar place, just I'm looking forward to really building that into my life on a weekly basis. Like, let me um, broaden my horizons. On a weekly basis,
0: you know, um you you mentioned the pandemic, and i just I just wanted to ask you, um, I felt like for so many of us, during that time, we we could have benefited from a circle more than ever. Um, and i'm I'm just curious, you know, how was that for you during the pandemic? Did you take on more circles than usual? Were you dealing with certain things that you probably had never encountered any time previously because, well, we hadn't had a pandemic in our lifetime before? So how was that? And are any of those circles that you began during the pandemic, or I should say the, the height of the pandemic, are any of those circles still taking place and how have they changed as the world slowly began to reopen? Ah, well, I
1: um, was actually not doing online circles until the pandemic. I was only meeting in person. And so I started offering online circles in March of 2020, like pretty much as soon as lockdown started. Um, And it was a very profound experience. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, we were living through a world historical event And um, one that affected everybody. And so to be able to have a consistent quality time in a consistent group of people where we could share and process the experiences, you know, our experiences in real time as we were living through it, I feel like was, and the feedback I got also from those groups was that it was just immensely helpful. Um, Also, for many people, the experience of the pandemic was um, very much one of isolation. And you know the statistics about the increase in um, mental health challenges and um, other consequences of isolation are sobering. Um, you know we're social creatures, and so um, I feel like it was good. It was just a good health practice for those of us who had the um, privilege of, of meeting during that time in a circle. Yes, some of those circles are still going. And there has been, I'd say that one of the hallmarks is that it's, you know, it, it was it was quite a bonding experience, you know, to go through that with one another. Um, and so there has been a process of, well, as the world opens up, and that's part of my job as a facilitator, like as the world opens up, how does the circle shift in its activities or anything to accommodate the fact that people are busier, um, that sort of thing? And so I would say that as, The world that we came through the pandemic with a real bond in those groups. And as the world has opened up, there's been a process of recognizing that, for example, some people might have conflicts and have to miss a circle more often than they did when there was nothing else going on in the world. So in a way, being a part of a long-term circle, it's like any other long-term relationship. You know, there's some growth that happens
0: and change that happens. I have to ask you, because I know you from Mm -hmm. when you were a journalist, was there anything that you've taken from that career in newspapers as a reporter and editor, anything that you're able to apply to this practice as a facilitator for women's circles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, fundamentally a curiosity about people
1: and an interest in what's going on in the lives of people in the world that comes with me. Um, a, a lot of comfort asking questions and thinking of questions. That's a, a big part of what I do as a facilitator. I think those would probably be the biggest.
0: Jennifer, I, I really, really, really want to thank you for your time today. It has been enlightening it's been wonderful. Um, And maybe someday we can do that hike and do our next podcast on the hiking trail. Um, (laughs) I do want to leave you with one final question, not related to circles. We like to ask this just to sort of get a sense of our guests. So here's a question for you. If you were to host a dinner party with five creative guests, living or dead, who would they be and why?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for letting me know about this question ahead of time so that I could reflect on it a little bit. Um, And I actually love it because what came up for me is something that I would never have considered before, but that I really love the idea of. So what came up for me is my four great grandmothers, Celia, Alice, Anne, and Nellie May. I might have met one of them just briefly as a baby, but never got to know any of them. So I would love to have a dinner party with those four, and I also had there are two other relatives. So I'm I'm gonna um, it's gonna be a six a six guest dinner dinner party. Okay. <laughs> I had an aunt who I never got to meet. She introduced my parents, and then she died uh, before I was born. And she was a very creative person, from everything I hear. And so my Aunt Janet, I would want to invite. And then the sixth guest is a, um, I recently got a document from my father that he, his basement flooded and he dug up a bunch of family documents and he sent me this remarkable document that um, lists, it's a, It's tracing the lineage of one uh, line in my family, the Arnold line all the way back to about 1450. And there are the women who married into the Arnold line, they're all listed. So I actually know my great grandmother, great, 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 all the way up to my 14 great's grandmother in that line, whose name was Joan Crammage. And I did the math, You can somebody out there should check me on my math, but um, I believe that we all have 32,768 14 great-grandmothers. So that's two to the 15th power, which is how I got that number. And I actually know the name of one of those 32,768 great-grandmothers. So Joan Crammage, she would be my sixth guest. And I would just love to be able to know what these women's lives were like what did they cook what did they preserve how did they two of my great grandmothers one was a seamstress in a um, department store in Oklahoma and one um, worked in a union um, in the garment district in New York sewing the linings into fur coats they were called the fur girls union so like what did they make Um, what were their lives like I would that that would be my dinner party I
0: love it I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for the question because that w- that's another thing where like the example you gave about when you haven't thought about something for the beauty of an inquiry question is that it can really evoke whole new worlds or,
0: or remembered worlds. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us today. I wish you a wonderful 2023 and I thank everyone who's tuned in to listen to us today. Thank you for having me,
1: Jen. And thanks everybody for being with us.
0: It's been a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining us today for a World of Women Create podcast. In a world filled with endless stories, it is our mission to share the memorable personal journeys and lessons learned of the extraordinary women in our community. Their stories are stories that enlighten us, inform us, and ignite the creativity that lives in each of us. Women Create is grateful that you are part of our creative world.